Okay, Pentecost Sunday. You know, in the Bible, there's three baptisms that are mentioned in the Scriptures. Three baptisms. Um, the word baptism or baptize, and we saw there uh, up the water baptism. But the word baptize in the, in the Bible means to immerse. It means immersion. That's why when we do water baptisms, we believe in, in baptizing people completely under the water. You may have gone to a church or had an experience where they sprinkle water on you, uh, uh, which is okay. Uh, but it, when we read through the scriptures, we see that the Bible talks about an immersion in water. An immersion means that you're underwater. Um, so the first baptism that the Bible talks about is a baptism into Christ Jesus. Salvation is not just about going to church. Salvation is an immersion into Jesus Christ, where our life is immersed into the life of Christ. It's part of church, but, but that's the first baptism that the Bible talks about. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says, We were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body. So salvation is about being baptized into Christ. Christ we are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, and we are baptized into him. So the first step is a relationship with Jesus Christ, where we are immersed into him. We ask Christ into our heart, and we are immersed into Jesus. That is what Christianity is about. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything else is periphery to that. And so if we don't have Jesus Christ in our life, then, then we are not a Christian in the biblical uh, definition. Uh, we may go to church, we may do religious things, uh, we may have re religious traditions, but we must be baptized, immersed into Jesus Christ to be born again, as the Bible explains. The second baptism is baptism in water. So once we become a Christian, the second step is to be baptized into water. It's a, it's a visible expression of an inward transformation of heart. When we give our life to Christ, nothing changes. Your hair doesn't turn blue or go fluoro to say, oh, wow, that person's got saved. Um, it happens on the inside. Our heart is renewed and transformed. Um, only you know and Jesus knows. No, nothing changes on the outside. Water baptism is an expression, a decision that we make that Jesus asks us to do to say, hey, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. I'm a part of his church. I'm a part of his body. It's like a wedding band. When you get married, uh, you wear a wedding band. It, this doesn't make me married. The fact that I wear a band doesn't make me married. It's a reminder of a covenant that we made when we got married. Water baptism, getting water baptized doesn't make you a Christian. But what it does is an outward expression of a covenant, a decision that you've made to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. That's why water baptism is so important. It's a... It's like why marriage is so important. You're making a statement to everybody. We're making a covenant before God, a commitment to one another before all these witnesses that we will spend the rest of our lives together. That's the second baptism. The third one, this is what I want to focus on today that the Bible talks about is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit is the third person of God. If you read through the Scriptures, there's God the Father, Jesus, who's also God, and the Holy Spirit, which, who is also God. Uh, uh, it's hard to explain, but God is actually three persons, but one person at the same time. Uh, divine nature, it's called the Trinity. You may have heard that word. It's 
Uh, it's beyond our understanding of how you can be one but three at exactly the same time, but that's what God does. Um, it's beyond some of our understanding. Um, so the Holy Spirit is the third person of God. And in Acts chapter 2, when Jesus uh, goes to be with the Father, he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. So that God the Father was mainly the Old Testament where he was acting and people were relating. And then Jesus came to, to show people what God was like. And then Jesus went and then he sent the Holy Spirit. So every one of the three parts of God have been involved in the human race and our, hum, and our destiny and our relationship with God. This is what we call the period of the Holy Spirit. Uh, now, the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not walking around on the ground anymore. He's gone back, but he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and I'm going to put the Holy Spirit in people, in people and on people so that they can do what I did. They can now be like Jesus in the earth, empowered by the Holy Spirit to see the kingdom of God expanding and see the purposes of God fulfilled in the earth. That's you and I. That's why we're here. But it, we can't do it without his empowering. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Jesus did no miracles until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Where you saw him get water baptized. The Bible says the, the Spirit came down like a dove and rested upon him. And God said, this is my son. Up until that point, he'd done nothing. He'd done nothing. No, no references are made to his upbringing up until that point. And from that point on, and filled with the Holy Spirit, he began to do the works of God and perform miracles in the earth. God does not want you to just make a decision to follow Christ and live a normal life. He says, I want you to be filled by my Spirit to live the life I've called you to live. Uh, <coughs> it was what Jesus <coughs> had said after he rose from the dead. Jesus said in Acts 1 verse 5, he says, For John, the ba John baptized, it's talking about John the Baptist, with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That word baptize, you'll be immersed by the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So you can see that Jesus was saying that it's imperative that you have this power if you're going to do what I'm asking you to do. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it in your own ability. You don't have the skills. You don't have the ability. You don't have the tenacity. You don't have the strength. You don't have within your human capacity to do what I'm asking you to do. You need my power. You need my spirit to carry you through. That's why it's so important that we have the Holy Spirit. Now, there's been some misconceptions. I think the, whole, the Holy Spirit has got some bad PR over the years and sometimes... You know, with just cause, some of his representatives have done some weird and wonderful things. Um, you may have read in the Scriptures, some versions of the Bible, they call it the Holy Ghost. And some people read ghosts and they think in paranormal activity or Blair Witch Project. And they're thinking, oh, I don't want anything to do with that. Uh, but it's not a good interpretation. It's an old-fashioned interpretation of the word. Um, the, the, the Greek word is pneuma, and it means breath. It means wind. It means the Spirit of God. It means that the, the wind of God, the Spirit of God uh, comes upon you, comes and fills you and strengthens you. Like wind, uh, an example is like the wind in a sail of a boat. Uh, the Spirit will come and fill your sails to take you where God wants you to go. You can't get there without the wind. Without the wind, a boat will sit on the water and go nowhere. 
But when the wind blows, it fills the sails and that boat will move in the direction to which it steered. That's, the, that's what it's talking about. The Holy Spirit comes like wind in your sail. And when you head towards where God wants you to go, that's how you're going to get there. The Holy Spirit is the one that empowers you to do it. Uh, he comes to empower our lives. You know, in John 10.10, 10, there's a scripture. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life in abundance. Jesus said, I've come that you might live an abundant life. That word abundance in the original language, it, it means a super abundant, over and above, prosperous, um, beyond comparison. It's, it's an incredible word. And Jesus said, that's the kind of life I've called you to live. That's the kind of level I've called you to exist at, but you can't get there on your own. We can't live at that level on our own. We can't fulfill those things on our own. That's why Jesus said, "Be wait until you are filled, you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. His Spirit comes upon you. His power uh, will fill you to do what I've asked you to do. That's the life that He's called us to live. That's the level He wants us to be at. But we cannot get there without Him. So Holy Spirit, it's, it's, He's a friend He's your friend. He's the power of God. The Bible says that he's a, he's a friend. He's a paraclete. He's the one that draws alongside to help you, to sustain you, to strengthen you, to encourage you. That's why he's come, to help us to do what God's asked us to do. Uh, Pentecost. Some people have heard the word Pentecost. Some people got some wrong Pentecost. Uh, uh, connotations about what it is. They may have heard of Pentecostalism, thinking of people, you know, Charming snakes, sometimes you see on TV. Some, there's some weird churches out there where they're, you know, they're rolling around on the floors or they're charming snakes or they're drinking blood or doing all this kind of stuff and they call themselves Pentecostals. Um, but the word Pentecost simply means 50. I know. So <laughs> it comes from the Jewish calendar and it's 50 days from the Passover, which was when Jesus was... Uh, crucified and the Passover was another Jewish festival uh, I don't, don't want to go into all the, the history of it but it, it represented when the Jews came out of Egypt and they were set free towards their promised land that was the Passover and 50 days from that they had another celebration another festival that was called um, Pentecost 50 days from that point that's where the term comes from Pentecost it's when the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts was poured out and people were filled with the Holy Spirit that's where the word comes from Charismatic, you may have heard that word, charisma. It simply means gift, gifts that God brings and gives and distributes through the Holy Spirit. Uh, and the Bible talks about God giving gifts, filling people with gifts. And the Bible, there's nine particular gifts that the Bible talks about. I don't want to go into all that right now, but the Holy Spirit comes to empower you. The Holy Spirit comes to give us gifts and abilities and strengths to do what He's asked us to do. Because we can't live the Christian life at the level He wants us to live it without him but oftentimes we try we think if we work harder if we try harder if we push harder if we're if we do more that somehow it's going to make it easier and it doesn't we need the holy spirit the holy spirit is like oil in wheels you know um when you've got two wheels and it, without oil in your car motor for instance you know you've got the engine running you know what happens when you run out of oil anyone ever ran out of oil in their car. <laughs> what happens when you run out of oil? The motor seizes. And what do you have to do, Jace, when the motor seizes? That's right. 
And often, and they can't really repair it, can they? It's a big job to repair it. So oftentimes we're trying to live our life with God's given us an engine and without the oil, we find ourselves seizing up. We're trying to do this, we're trying to do that and we get overwhelmed and, and, and we get fatigued and we get discouraged and, and our motor, our Christian motor is seizing up because it was never designed to work without the oil. The oil is the Holy Spirit. The oil is the power of God. It's His strength that He brings in us and upon us to do what He's asked us to do. You do not want to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Um, and so um, in Acts chapter 9, so this is uh, in the book of Acts, and, and in Acts the Holy Spirit had been poured out and people were going everywhere, preaching the gospel, starting churches uh, people were coming to Christ. The church was expanding all throughout the book of Acts. Acts chapter 19, verse 1, the apostle Paul had got saved and he'd started planting churches. And in verse 1, he says that he found some disciples. So it says he found some disciples. That means they were Christians. They weren't heathens. They weren't pagans. They weren't people away from God. It says he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. That's where a lot of people are today. They've come to Christ, they've got saved, but they've yet to be filled with the Holy Spirit to enable them to live and do what God's asked them to do. Uh, some people will say, well, I thought you received the Holy Spirit when you get saved. And yes, you do receive the Holy Spirit when you get saved. It says that He's a guarantee of your salvation. It's, the Bible says that you, you have an inward filling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you. But that's not what it's talking about here. Because Paul is talking to these guys and they're already Christians. So yes, they've received the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of their salvation, that they're going to go to heaven. But that's not what Paul's talking about. So he says to them, have you received the Holy Spirit as an immersion? Have you been immersed in the Holy Spirit? And they said, no, we didn't even know that this thing went on. They'd been saved. They have the Holy Spirit as salvation, but not the supernatural empowerment to live the life that God had called them to live. It's, like, it's the difference between um, getting a glass of water, and if I fill a glass up with water, that glass is filled with water. But if I then get that glass of water and I throw it in a swimming pool, that glass of water is now immersed in water. That's the difference between receiving the Holy Spirit at salvation, you've got a glass full of water. But then throwing that glass into a pool, into the Holy Spirit, that now and that's the word that the Bible uses, an immersion, where it's immersed in the Holy Spirit. So Paul says to them uh, in Acts, going through this story, this conversation, Acts 19 verse 3. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they, re they replied. So they received baptism for salvation. Uh, they'd been water baptized, if you like. They'd been saved and they'd been water baptized into the church. And Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. They repented of sin. They asked Jesus into their life. They'd been born again. Uh, he told the people to believe in the one coming after them. So their faith was in Jesus, even though he hadn't been revealed yet. Um, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they're being baptized again. Then it says, when Paul placed his hands on them, so then Paul prayed for them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So 
they had received the Holy Spirit. They were going to heaven. Um, they had received Jesus. But up until that point, they had not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit or the immersion in the Holy Spirit or the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that it talks about here in the Scriptures. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit is another experience other than your salvation experience. Um, and there's five times in the Bible, in the book of Acts, that this same process occurs. Um, so why do we need it? Why do we need it? Well, first, receiving the Holy Spirit. When we receive the Holy Spirit, when, we, when the Holy Spirit comes in us, it's, for, it's an eternal, it's a, it's a divine purpose, an eternal purpose. When you're born again, when you ask Christ into your life, you receive the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of your salvation. That's, for, that's an eternal purpose. The second baptism, the baptism in the Holy Spirit that this is talking about, is about the here and the now. It's, a, it's, about a, it's not for heaven. You don't need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to get to heaven. You are born again. You are going to heaven. You are saved. You don't need this to get to heaven. Anyone that says you must speak in tongues or be baptized in the Spirit to get to heaven, that's not what the Bible says. You don't need it to get to heaven. But all throughout the book of Acts, they, the disciples, the apostles, wanted people to be empowered by the Spirit so that they would be effective in the here and the now so they could maximize the gifts and the abilities that God has given us now. The opportunities that God puts before us now needs the empowering of the Holy Spirit to be able to do what He's asked us to do. Salvation was always intended to be a vibrant, passionate, all-encompassing life lived powerfully in this earth to make a difference for not just our life but other people's lives. And to do that, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for power to live the Christian life and also the receiving of many of the gifts that the Bible talks about come through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, if you want to look them up, I, I don't want to go into it now. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11 outlines a number of the, the gifts. Um, prophecy, healing, faith. Um, discerning of spirits. There's a whole bunch of them there that come through the baptism in the Spirit. Uh, so the Bible says that the, in, the, the initial evidence that you have received this baptism in the Holy Spirit, this empowering, is that you receive a heavenly language, an ability to uh, speak a uh, what the Bible calls tongues, if you like, or, or a heavenly language. You receive the gift to be able to speak in tongues, and many people here have received this um, it's the initial evidence, the Bible says, that you have been, received, that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, otherwise, how do you know? Um, 1 Corinthians 14.5 says this. And this is Paul. The Apostle Paul said, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. I would like... So some people you may have heard, if you've had a church background, if you haven't had any church background, this may be all new to you and you've got no baggage to deal with or no teaching to cipher through. But Paul said to the disciples in Corinth, I desire that every single one of you would speak in tongues. Some people would say, oh, some people receive it, some people don't. Uh, it's for some, it's not for others. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. It says that anybody that wants it can have it. Now, some of the other gifts, the Bible says are distributed by Jesus through the Holy Spirit and he chooses who they get. But prophecy and the speaking in tongues are gifts that the Bible says are available to every single person. Anyone who desire it, anybody that wants it can receive it. 
Uh, Paul says, I, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. That's the Apostle Paul. He saw it as an important part of his Christian life. He saw it as an important element in living the life that God had called him to live. And he was challenging and encouraging and exhorting every disciple and every church that he went to that they would um, look to receive this gift to live the Christian life. Um, Mark 16, Jesus said this in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, just before he went to heaven, he said, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues. So at that point, no one had, but, but what he was saying was that disciples in the future, when, when I come and I pour out the Spirit and the Spirit comes, that they will, this will be the evidence that, that that is happening. And as I said before, it doesn't mean you need this to get into heaven. It doesn't mean you need this to be saved. Um, it is an empowerment of God's Spirit for the here and now to do what God's asked you to do. And I would encourage you, as I said, that why try and live a life and why try and fulfill a purpose that God has put there and not make yourself or not utilize everything that God has made available? He said, this is the oil for your engine. This is the thing that's going to empower you to get to where you need to go. Don't try and do it on your own. Don't try and make it by yourself. Avail yourself of everything that I have made available to you to live an abundant life. Oftentimes, as a pastor, you're talking to people, getting discouraged or, or say, I tried it and it didn't work. And oftentimes, they're trying to do it on their own, trying to make it happen, thinking if I just try harder, because that's the world that we grow up in. That's the, that's the training, the education that we get through our schooling. You try harder, you work harder, you'll get a better result and you'll be elevated and you'll do well in life. Uh, but oftentimes we bring that mentality to the church, we bring it to Christianity, we bring it to our relationship with God and we're trying to do it ourselves without relying and saying, Lord, I can't do this by myself. I can't get there by myself. I'm wearing myself out. Please fill me with your strength. Let my sails be filled with your spirit to take me where you want me to go. Um, so yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. So Jesus didn't say this was for some believers and not for other believers. It's for every believer, every believer that desires it. And why would you not desire it? As it says uh, in, uh, actually I'll get to that point in a sec. Is it for today? Yes, the day of Pentecost was the beginning of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was not the end. That's where it started. It is yet to finish. This season this period of the holy spirit will end when jesus returns and the bible talks about that um, so what's its purpose oh, i think i talked about that 1 corinthians 14 when the corinthian church were trying to get their head around this trying to understand it what it was for how did it work uh, and paul's teaching the church about just like i'm teaching you now he was teaching the corinthian church and he said in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, he who speaks in tongues <coughs> edifies himself. They say, what's the purpose of it? <coughs> that word edify means to charge yourself up like a battery. You know when you, if you ever had a flat battery? Anyone ever had a flat battery? Uh, and you can pay your 50 or 80 bucks to get it replaced. Or, if it's not too flat, <coughs> you put this charger thing on it. 
Has anyone ever done that? Yeah, yeah you put the thing and you plug it into the 240 volt and it, and it trickle charges. Uh, it starts to charge the battery and you leave it overnight and guess what? Voila! You wake up in the morning and you put it in your car and it's working again. That's what that word is. That's what it's talking about. What's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? What's the purpose of speaking in tongues? What's the advantage of it? When you're praying with this language that God has given us, you are trickle-charging your spirit. You are, it's like plugging in your spirit into the 240 volts of heaven and allowing that current to run into your spirit to fill you afresh, to charge you up again, to live the life that God wants you to live. Every one of us at times get tired, not just, not just physically, but spiritually, emotionally. We get worn down and we think, going, you know, I need another month overseas. And we go overseas, we come back, and we're still tired. I need a holiday from my holiday. Sometimes, I'm not saying always, yes, it's, yes, you need to refresh yourself sometimes. Yes, you need uh, holidays, physical um, recuperation, emotional recuperation. I'm not saying that, that we don't need that, but sometimes we think that's going to solve all our problems when really we, our spirit is so weak and discharged that we are running on empty. We're living our lives. We're trying to live a spiritual life with the arm of the flesh. We're trying to live a spiritual life with, without the Spirit's enabling. And so we're just feeling tired and we think it's emotion, we think it's psychological, we think it's physical. Uh, and it can be part of those things, but are we actually allowing God to fill us afresh on the inside so that our spirit is charged? Our spirit, so that when disappointment comes, and disappointment will come, if you've if you're an adult and you've never faced disappointment, come up here and pray for all of us. <laughs> life comes with disappointments at times. That's just a part of life. The Bible doesn't say, oh, I've come to Jesus Christ, you'll never be disappointed again. No, what it says is that when you're facing disappointment, you'll have a spirit, you'll have an energy, you'll have an ability, a strength within you to break through and not allow that disappointment to cause you to give up, to lay down, to let go and to stop going forward. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He empowers us, but we've got to use it. And that's why God said, I'm going to give you this language. And when you use it, it'll, it'll charge your spirit. It'll, it'll trickle charge. It'll plug you into heaven um, and allow that to happen. Romans 8.26, another purpose. Uh, Paul says, teaching the Roman church, he says, when you don't know what to pray, whoever's been facing challenges and circumstances and you just don't know what to pray. I don't even know where to start with this situation. I don't even know where to begin to pray and ask you to do something in this scenario. And Paul says to the church, when you pray with this heavenly language, you are able to pray in accordance with God's will and desire, even though you don't know what you're praying. But God knows what you need. God knows the circumstances. He knows the situation. He knows the future. He knows the beginning from the end. And, he, and Paul's saying, even though you don't know where to start, you can use this heavenly language. You can use this gift that I'm giving you to pray and pray in accordance with God's will and your desire to bring about the best outcome. What an, what an opportunity. What a gift. Where we can be praying about something 
and the Holy Spirit is doing the praying. And the Bible says if you pray in accordance with God's will, you know that he'll answer that prayer. And oftentimes we're thinking, oh, is it God's will? Is it not God's will? I don't know whether, oh, does he really want me to have this? Does he not want me to have this? Oh, oh, is this God's will or not? Well, if you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you can be guaranteed that you're praying in accordance with God's will. Because it says it right here. When you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit can and will pray through you in accordance with God's will and desire. How awesome. What an opportunity. So often we, even as Pentecostals, and many of you may have already received this gift if you've been involved in Pentecostal church or even some, some other churches, Baptist, some Baptist churches or whatever. And, and we think it's just speaking, oh, if I speak in tongues, that'll be fine. It's not, it's not about the speaking in tongues. We could speak in tongues and still not be letting the power of God move in our life. It just becomes a tradition. It just becomes a habit. It's like, <laughs> like abracadabra. It's not an abracadabra. It's not a wand that we wave and think, woo, boom, that's going to happen. No, when we, when we speak in tongues, we are intentional. When we speak in tongues, we're saying, Lord, pray through me. Lord, change this situation. Lord, bring this circumstance around. I pray and I release your will, your desire, your purpose. I'm aligning my spirit with your desire, your will. And the Bible says where those two come together, God will move. God will answer. God will do a miracle. He'll pour out his spirit when that happens. So, how exciting. Why would we put that on the shelf? Why would we just leave that to the side and say, well, that's nice to have. And we need to be reminded as well, as this is a gift that God has given us to live this abundant life that he talks about. And the devil will constantly be saying, or, oh, well, that doesn't do anything. What, what's the point of that? That sounds stupid. That's so old school. That's, 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 that's whatever. And, and trying to get us to just lay it down, trying to get us to let it go and just try and do it through our own strategizing. And strategy is important. Brainstorming is important. Mind mapping is important. Um, goals, uh, 90-day goals, all, all this stuff, it's all important. But if we think that in and of itself is going to bring around God's, about God's purpose, that's going to work miracles. That's going to change circumstances. And that if we work harder and we try harder, that somehow it's going to happen. Yes, you've got to work hard. Yes, you've got to try hard. Yes, you've got to give your best. But then God's Spirit can come upon everything that you've got and take it to a whole another level a whole another level a divine level a spiritual level that we can never get to on our own that's the power of the holy spirit that's what god wants to do in your life and that's what can happen today today that can happen as we read in the scriptures the bible says that paul laid hands on them he said have you received this gift and they said no we didn't even know this gift was available and it says, so he laid his hands on them, he prayed for them, and they received and began to speak in tongues. It's that easy. It's that simple. I've prayed for hundreds and hundreds of people, as are some of the other leaders in our church, prayed for them, and they have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It is not hard. It is not something that we, you know, you don't, <coughs> you don't need to study it uh, for three years. For you've got a complete understanding of what's happening. you just got to go, you know what? I want it, God, and I want it now. That's all you've got to say. Lord, 
yes, it's for me, I want it, and I want it now. And if you come with that expectancy, if you come with that openness, I can guarantee you that when hands are laid on you today, God will give you that gift. You will begin to speak in tongues. You'll receive the ability just to pray. And it's, it, sometimes it can sound weird, sometimes it can sound unusual. I mean, we don't do a lot of praying in tongues in our services because you know, some people don't understand what it is. And the Bible teaches to be you know, aware of where people are at and that you, know, you don't want to look like a kook. Uh, well, that's my interpretation of the Scriptures. Don't look like a bunch of weirdos. You know, if people are there and they're not church people, don't go around doing all weird stuff. <laughs> be sensitive. Be sensitive, but, but do not um, be sensitive, but, but do not be embarrassed and do not be um, ashamed of what I've given you. So be sensitive to other people, and, but use it in a way that changes people's lives. And... Uh, as I said, I've prayed for hundreds and hundreds of people. We've seen people filled with the Holy Spirit. We've seen people healed, miracles taken place. All of these things that happen in church. You know, Liz, who was up here um, <coughs> talking about giving and tithing and, and, and giving a whole life to God. When you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, when you see what God does in your life, you open up your heart to God. Liz and Alan came to the church and they'd been told they could not have children. She'd had a situation uh, physical situation they said you'll never have children god told them to come from new zealand to australia they came from new zealand sold their house came to australia in obedience to god came to our church liz got healed now they got four children four children that wasn't that was that was not counseling that made that happen that was not positive mental attitude it wasn't neuro-linguistic programming that was the holy spirit that was the power of God, where God sees obedience and pours out His Spirit and changes people's lives. And I know there are testimonies all over this church of miracles and impossible situations that God has done because people said, God, I'm here. Lord, I, I want what you have. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Work in my life. I want to be immersed in God. I want to be immersed in God. That's where God moves. He's not looking for someone to attend church once a month. What he's saying is salvation is about, Christianity is about stepping in to a river off the bank. And that can be a bit scary at times because we love control, don't we? Oh, I want to be in control of everything that happens. I want to be in control of everything I do. But sometimes God says, you know what? If you really want to experience everything that I've got for you, it's a, it's a leap of faith. It's a step of faith. There's the river. You're on the bank. In fact, if you read in the book of Ezekiel, he puts it this way. Ezekiel says, I was, on the, I was on the bank, and God says, take a step forward. So I took a step forward, or I moved 100 cubits or something, he said, and, and then the river was up to my ankles. Some of you have taken a step into God. You've asked Christ into your life and you're going to heaven, which is awesome. You've taken a step and, and the water's up to your ankles and God's saying, I want you to take another step. You can read this in the book of Ezekiel. So he went another hundred cubits and it says the water came up to his knees. Some of you have gone into God. You've been a Christian for a while. You've made certain decisions and the water's now up to your knees. Then it says he took another step and it's up to your waist. The difference between, uh, the difference between that and the next step is each one of these steps, your feet are still on the ground. You're still in control. You're still making decisions. The next step, he says, 
I had to go further, another 100 cubits. I went into the river. It was so deep I couldn't stand and I was carried by the river. I was carried by the river. That's the difference. When you say, God, I want to be immersed in you. I'm giving my life over to you. I trust you. I want what you have for my life. When you say, I'm in all the way, all of a sudden... If you read that story, it says, and when I went that deep and the water was up to my neck and I was getting, he said, there was life in the water everywhere. The life of God is in the deep end of the river of God. It's in the deep end. That's where the miracles are. That's where the breakthroughs are. That's where the transformation is, right in the deep end of God's river. If you say, I haven't seen anything, you might be still at ankle deep. You might be still at ankle deep. I want you to take a step today. I want you to take two steps today. I want you to take three steps today. I want you to say, Lord, ah! (laughs) Oh, this is hard, but Lord, I want what you have for me. And I'm going all in. I'm going all in. I'm going, I'm going where my feet are no longer touching the ground and I'm going to trust you and I can guarantee you that's where the miracles are. That's where the breakthrough is. That is where the life is in God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we have the band up right now?